0: Coming up on Chasing the Natty today, find out why it's Xavier's special day and what that means in just one second.
1: Look downfield, a circus. One-handed catch is made. Jones goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown, Alabama. Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast.
0: All right, welcome in, everybody. Uh, this is Chasing the Natty. I am your host, Jared Palmgren, and on the other side of me is the man of the hour himself, Mr. Xavier Hood. Xavier, how you doing today, man? We're doing great. We're doing great. Uh, so yeah, today's episode, I am calling it Xavier's Special Day, uh, because I, I directly asked Xavier, I said, what topic have we not covered yet that, you, that he really wanted to cover? And he sent me back one word and one text, and he said, dilemmas. So that's the word of the day and that's what we're gonna be talking about a lot today um in terms of the news and everything that we've um that's been going on a little bit i can kind of touch on real quick um lots of things going on we i i went to g day yesterday which was a fantastic time uh we'll we'll have a whole another episode based on spring game reactions and everything that'll come later um On the NFL side of things, they've agreed to 17 games now, I believe. It's a little bit of old news, but Xavier, I do have to ask you the question. um, Which NFL team will be the first one to go 0-17, and why is it the
1: Broncos? (laughs) Oh, man. One man only could do that for the Broncos, and that would be Mr. Drew Locke out of Missouri. Good God. But... Luckily, our defense is solid, to where they can win us a couple of games. And Melvin Gordon had a good season. But yeah, I figured I'd rip you there. It's not going to be the Broncos. It's okay. We have a we have a residential Falcons fan on the other side of the the. Okay, okay, okay. But so we won't get into that. But as you know.
0: But yeah, so with that, we're going to go ahead and get into. Uh, we have two announcements to make before we get into the meat of the show. And so the first one is a little bit more lighthearted um i am doing this about one day too early but i do want to just say (laughs) happy birthday xavier
1: yes thank you (laughs) thank you oh i appreciate it you have every one of my favorite teams right there
0: for those Uh, of you who are not who are not watching youtube this is why you should be watching us on youtube uh i have covered xavier in things
1: oh yeah he has a georgia uh, balloon a chicago bulls and broncos i know my teams are all over the place but it's not like i'm just bandwagoning these are random teams. The Bulls suck right now. The Broncos are rebuilding. George is my only bright spot, and you know we will be chasing that Natty next year, from what we see in that spring game. But we'll get into that next episode.
0: Oh yeah. So yeah. Happy birthday, Xavier. Um, it's part of the reason why I wanted this next episode to be something you really wanted to talk about, and I also was kind of planning this for a while to just cover you and all this. Uh, the next, the next announcement is a bit more serious. Uh, Xavier and I have been have been invited to join. The Campus to Canton podcast run over there by to the, the C2C website. This is the podcast hosted by Austin and Colin Decker, who um, they do uh, two podcasts a week. They do one that's more CFF based. They do one that's more NFL based and they kind of combine it together in order for you to do, determine if you're in C2C, who all you should be drafting on the college side of things that will be more likely to be better in the to translate to the NFL. So I'm very excited about this, Xavier. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I'm excited as well. Two very knowledgeable guys in the field. I've uh, done a couple mock drafts with a few of them, so definitely excited to get their, see their craft and see how they are how they're thinking, so we can all be better at this for this upcoming season. Hopefully, Fantrax gets there. Uh, gets themselves together so we can uh, start these ADP games. Uh, get the ADP all situated.
0: They uh, did announce today that they are expect. It's taken a little bit longer for them to get up and running than they expected, but they said some. Uh, it shouldn't be too long after the draft before they're able to get things up and running. Yeah, I saw that. Um, so,
1: and starting at right. the mid-April, we're probably going to get like mid-May, hopefully before June. So. I'm, I'm
0: hoping early May. Um, but then again, with Fantrax right now. Gotta give him the you gotta give him a little bit of leeway, I guess. Yeah. So the next portion here of this episode is I'm going to be asking Xavier three would you rather questions. Again, he literally just sent me back dilemmas. Dilemmas in college football. And so these aren't really well, these are fantasy relevant, but they're not the main ones here. And so I do want to ask you, Xavier, would you rather be stuck with a weak QB room
1: or be stuck with a weak running back room? Mm, i i would have to go with the qB room I, I think i've learned from experience from this past year what a a strong running back room can definitely do the amount of things they can do now uh it depends on how weak are we talking about but i i'll just say like maybe it's not like the strongest QB room but i know if if my running back's not getting close to 100 yards or at least doing something on the other side then i'm gonna it's gonna take a hit on my entire week so all right so QB
0: Uh, The next would you rather question is, would you rather have a tight end that's guaranteed 10 points a week or have a kicker that's guaranteed 10 points a week?
1: I'll go with the tight end. I'll go with the tight end. Tight ends, uh, I wouldn't say this year they're hard to come by. You can get some great value at tight end this year. So, um, But 10 points for a tight end, that's, that's a lot kickers i'm not expecting much from their job now it would be nice if they could get over 10 points if they're getting over 15 that's great if you had borealis last year from miami you could get 20 something we don't know kickers are for the for uh, those
0: of you on the podcast i have a big fat grin on my face because i absolutely won one of my uh games last year because borgalis kicked 21 points in a game
1: yeah so but i I, i'd be fine with the tight end
0: all righty um Let's see, would you rather be forced to auto-draft your entire draft or draft without being told the rules of the league?
1: Oh, man. Okay, I'd I draft without being, knowing the rules of the league. I, okay. I do that. And the reason why, I mean, there's only so much you could do. Like, you could have a PPR league, then you could have, like, a regular uh, standard league. And then if you don't count defense or if you do or if touchdowns are worth more uh, receiving and rushing. I feel like I'll just draft based on, like, at that point, I'm just strictly talent. Okay. Strictly, it, are, is this person going to score a lot of points? Because it may not translate to where I get the highest maximum I'm getting, but I'm still at least competing at a certain level instead of just, oh, man, an auto draft. There are so many things that can go wrong. Oh, yeah. I could reach for somebody that I just know nobody's going to nobody's gonna get. so. Yeah,
0: alright we'll go with another one here we're actually going through these a little bit faster so I'm actually going to add a few more in here that okay. I had written down I'm ready um, would you rather in a draft be guaranteed your first two picks but they get sniped on all the rest of them or not get sniped on any players but your first two picks are guaranteed bust
1: <sighs> that's that's a tough one that is very very tough oh man Oh, I, the second question was my first two picks would be bust, but I don't get sniped on anybody else. Mm
0: -hmm. You would get the guy that you're aiming for.
1: Oh man. That's a, that's a bulk of my points right there for my first two picks and I have to find that. That'd be a big challenge, but then, ah, okay. This is going to be me. I I feel like the logical thing would be the second, uh, the second question, but I'm going okay. with my right here. I'd rather just get sniped on all my other ones and just go with my backup and have my first two picks be guaranteed.
0: So you're you're trusting your ability to adapt to losing the guy you're aiming for rather than losing your top two picks.
1: Yeah, because that's guaranteed production. Uh, if My top two picks are going to be, obviously, guys that are just like, I'm mm. expecting a week in, week out. And if they're not doing that, and I have to hope on wild cards are good games or maybe i don't know reps are happening they're maybe playing a sorry team I, that's just too many factors i have. i'd rather just adjust and make a, a at least a maybe not the player i wanted. like you said i'm getting sniped but at least i'm getting a still a good value at somebody else
0: makes sense makes sense all right another one here uh would you be would you rather be forced to start your rivals players the week they play your team Mm-hmm. Or start your favorite team's players against your rival and they bust that week.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> uh- <laughs>
0: the, the answer to this, by the way, is everybody, don't draft players on your favorite team.
1: Oh, no. Conflict of interest. Sorry, but when, when you have a team like Georgia, then... I know, the, I know. Well, there are certain players you kind of want. Oh, man. I guess... I that's going to suck because this always happens mm-hmm. with it being Georgia. And then like, if I have an Alabama player, Oh God, I'll take the, Al- I know it's bad. But, like it's, it's always, I'm always torn where like I want to win the week because I like the competitive nature of fantasy, but mm-hmm. also I hate seeing Georgia lose. uh I, I'm going to go with my competitive nature. I like winning, at least like, at least winning the week would be good. So I'm just going to take my rival player against our team and they go off.
0: Okay. All right, I, you know, I knew that was going to be a hard like a one traitor. for you because I, I know how competitive you are and that's kind of putting two of your competitive natures against each other there.
1: Oh my god, I feel like a traitor. I, I apologize to all of Bulldog Nation. It's just, yeah, my fantasy like fantasy competitiveness, at least I'm controlling it. I can't control mm. what's happening out there on the field. I'm just going to hope and pray that Kirby has a system in place that he put us in there, but sometimes it doesn't.
0: No, yeah, I, again, totally, totally makes sense. So here's the last one for you. And uh, this one is... Uh, I guess uh kind of touches on your pride a little bit. Would you rather hype up a player and then they bust or diminish a player and then they boom?
1: <laughs> oh man. I man, okay. I've been proven wrong. I'll take the I'll take the second because it has happened okay. before. And I was one of those people that saw the first three seasons of Joe Burrow, thought nothing of it. And he went on to be number one overall Heisman, just amazing, had one of the best college football seasons I've ever seen Mm -hmm. but I was just for sure, I was like, this man has shown me nothing to make me believe but if you can prove me wrong, then at the end of the day, I will admit that I was wrong and just be like, it's fine
0: but I feel feel like like I was still
1: justified in the fact that I was like, you gave me nothing before to just make me just assume that you were gonna be good and I have to diminish you based off of past games, but yeah.
0: I don't think anybody drafted Joe Burrow that year if it makes you yeah. feel any better. Like I, I unless you're in like a deeper league or just a power five only league. But um that- yeah for me I'd I'd rather I'd rather downplay a player and then they boom, because at that point I'm convincing people to get a steal rather than getting convincing people to get a bust and I'd rather I'd rather be on the wrong side of a steal than on the wrong side of a bust. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my uh, two cents there. So those are, the, those are the would you rather questions I was going to ask Xavier today. Again, we went, we went through those on pretty good time. So I got to ask all of them. I was afraid I was only going to get to ask about three. So now let's move on to the bulk of the show in which we were really Xavier is going to lead the discussion on common CFF dilemmas that you will probably face this upcoming season and especially now during the draft season. So the first question we have up here, Xavier, what, what happens when you're sniped in a draft? What should you do?
1: Yeah. Uh, first thing to do, do not panic. You just have to, I I always say this like with mock drafts, you have time, so you have time to think about it, but in a real draft, you're only going to have maybe 45 seconds to a minute 30 to make that decision. But if you have a player in mind, then, or if you have a position in mind, I wouldn't say always stick to that position 'Cause there could be like, you know, sometimes you just can't ignore the talent and production that something else has. You just take the the best player available at that point. But if you're deeper down in the rounds and you need that position, then you have to just go to your uh basically your rankings and see, all right, say if somebody uh takes Jaden Daniels and I'm like, all right, it's maybe the eighth round and I haven't drafted my second quarterback or ninth or tenth round, and I'm like, I need somebody and there's uh some other good value quarterbacks available but I really wanted Jaden Daniels I'll just take the good value quarterback because I know then everybody else is gonna you know everybody there's always that feeling that somebody else wanted Jaden Daniels as well so they're gonna be either panicking and going for a quarterback as well or there could be those that just like uh ah, you know what I have my two or I still have my one so it's basically just looking at the draft board seeing what play, uh what guys have drafted Uh, Who guys are drafted? What are they expecting next? Can you wait on players? Can you not wait on players? Is this a position that you desperately need? So it's a lot of factors going into it. But if you come in there in the draft with the right mindset of uh, knowing all these things, then you should be fine when a snipe does happen.
0: Yeah, I I think those are all very good points. And one thing I would heavily, heavily push people to use is that queue function if you're ever on Fantrax or any fantasy this really goes for any fantasy draft that you're kind of going for. use the queue function like um, put multiple players of the same position in that queue so that if you're sniped, you already have a list of players at every position that you can just quickly look at and be like, all right who's still available that I can just go with like if you've watched me I put out my video a couple weeks ago when I was in the first mock draft, uh, with Mike Bainbridge and everything, one of the things I did was I put up a Google Sheet and just constantly kept updating my five best available quarterbacks, my five best available wide receivers, my five best available running backs, and I usually had about three tight ends in there. That way I could just quickly look at that and say, "All right, who's available?" Because if 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 you're going past your top five, like I understand, like if you are like. I'm not I'm, if you if, if you've watched me draft before, you know, I don't always necessarily take the top guy off of like, like, if I'm sniped at wide receiver, I don't always take the best wide receiver, my next wide receiver up, because then I could look down my rankings a little bit and say like, hey, I already have two guys that are kind of um, boomer bust. I need a more secure option. So maybe I go down like two or three wide receivers on my list and say, all right, this guy's probably the most secure out of this top five group. I'm going to go with him. So that's what I would suggest to people is just constantly keep your options updated in a draft. So Xavier, what any more thoughts on that?
1: No, I think you hit the nail on the coffin with that one. Uh, yeah, (laughs) that's save. I don't think that's how that, I don't think that's how that goes. Are you uh, the nail in the wait? you hit the nail on the head.
0: No, I've... Nail I've in the coffin means i got killed something. I've, nah, killed, or nah. I've killed it. I've I buried it in I, the ground. I, I, I'll leave that
1: up to the viewers. I've definitely heard uh, nail in the coffin before. What?
0: Uh, I mean, you're right that that's a saying, but what I'm saying is like that's if you're like burying something and making it dead. Hitting the nail on the head know. means you've nailed it.
1: Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that discussion for another time. But yeah, like <laughs> I, I, I agreed with everything that you said. That Q function can definitely save... Make or break, uh, your fantasy uh, your fantasy draft in a sniping situation. So, and that was a great uh, tidbit about securing players that are like your safe option rather than uh, this player could have high upside and I'm taking him based off of my rankings of what he could be rather than all right this guy is a proven product and I know what I'm gonna get out of him every day. Maybe it's not the greatest thing in the world, but I know that this is gonna this I'm getting what I'm getting.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll give an example here. Um... In this draft that you and I are in right now, Xavier, with the Power 5 draft, Uh, he actually just went off the board, but Skylar Thompson's a guy who I have very high on my rankings. However, I wasn't willing to draft him as one of my top three QBs because I'm still worried about his injuries. And so I was looking for quarterbacks that did not have a history of injuries to be my top three quarterbacks. And I'm honestly surprised he was taken as, or um, I'm not surprised that he was taken, but there is a reason why, even though I technically have him rated as a QB two because of his upside if he's not injured, but I still waited on him for so long. But anyway, we're kind of we're kind of uh, we're kind of touching into different subjects there. So I guess we'll go ahead and move on to the second question, in which how do you determine when you should reach on a player and when you can wait? So Xavier, I'll go ahead and let you give some thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh man, this is definitely a tricky question because there's certain times where you're really high on a player and then you know, maybe like based on ADP, he's not gonna go that high, but there are other people out there. Like, you know, there's the Max Johnson and Miles Brennan-Fran club and Casey Thompson and Hudson Card. And you're like, all right, who's gonna start? You know, based on the offense and the coaching system, either one of those players is gonna have a great year based on the system that they're in and the personnel that they have at wide receiver and running back. So you're just like, all right, I have to, I'm just basic. Yeah, basically, yeah, you have to determine if you do. You, are you going to reach then make the reach, but don't do anything out of the out of the question. Like, you know, using your first round pick on uh, maybe like a Jahan Dotson or Jaden Wiley. Like, don't hmm. do that. They will. There, there are players that will fall and it would be later on. But there are times where you're just like, you know, what, things have gone well for a while. And you're like, I still have players on my board that I really like start locking them up cuz they mm-hmm. will like not you're you're not going to see a lot of similarities on other people's uh rankings and draft boards and queues and you're just like well these players are about to fall. And then there are times where I'll speak on one week when you can wait to where you'll see trends in drafts. Um you'll see uh what teams are taking what position at what uh, point in the round and you're like all right, are they going to basically are they drafting on need are they drafting on talent? And after a while, they'll just mainly draft on need because then you're just like, in the beginning, you're just taking, all right, let's see who I can get in this most talented. They're proven production. First two, three rounds, you're basically taking talent. Then after that, you're like, all right, do I maybe go for a quarterback? Maybe am I, is my running back room a little bit soft? Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at that and you're seeing that maybe guys are not in need of a position that you're just like, all right, I really want this, but I maybe could wait a while because – Say there's, I'll give an example where uh, if you have one person, they have a, Q, a solid QB and two running backs, then you can wait on a running back then if you still have a running back high up, because they're probably going to start going like wide receiver, wide receiver, or another quarterback. But they could go double mm-hmm. running, uh, triple running back if they wanted to, but it's just, I I'd, I'd take the chances of them taking a wide receiver instead yeah
0: no i think those are all great points and i'll kind of expand your point where you're talking about like whether whether like reading your draft and understanding whether people are drafting based on need or be- whether they're drafting based on best player available i think is an important skill to learn when you're drafting i'll give an example in cff leagues right now the first round is best player available you just go best player available there's like a group of guys up in that top 12 and when it gets to your pick you take the best guy who's still on the board that you think is there regardless of whether you're high like don't you you shouldn't really be drafting anybody outside that top 12 group and heck even within that top 12 group there's like the top four top six and stuff like that like you're not going to see a huge amount of variation coming out of that top 12. however the second round is the wide receiver round as i've dubbed it recently where tons and tons of wide receivers go off the board And it varies a little bit each draft, like which wide receivers go there. To me, that's when it's okay to kind of reach on a wide receiver that you're higher on. Like the first draft I did with Mike Bainbridge, I drafted Marvin Mims at the 2-1. Technically, that's a little bit of a reach compared to ADP. However, he to me was the best wide receiver available. He was the guy that I was counting on the most. And I felt pretty happy with drafting there because I knew there was no way he was going to make it back to me in the third round. So... And then the other point I'll mention here, I kind of touched on it here a little bit with the the mock draft I was just talking about, is a lot of it depends on where you are in the draft. If you are a guy who's sitting there at the turn, you are likely going to see yourself reaching for players that you are higher on because there's more picks between one of your picks and the next pick. If you're at the turn and you're in a 12-man league, you're looking at 22 picks before your next pick meanwhile if you're in the sixth pick like i think xavier is in our mock draft right now you have 12 picks between your next pick so you can kind of take you can roll your dice a little bit more when you're kind of in the center of that draft as to maybe this guy will make it back to me in the next round meanwhile if you're at the turn you're again you get like sometimes you get like two like like you'll have that like in between where it's like you have a, either you're you're on the turn where you have two picks in a row, or you're like a pick or two before where you have two to four. Like obviously that's not there's not much difference between there. It's the longer rounds you have to worry about. And that second pick, you're almost always going to be reaching for a player there that you probably would want to normally wait a little bit longer. So, Xavier, any other thoughts here?
1: No, uh thank you covered everything that I was uh, basically uh, added on and covered things that I didn't even know about either. So especially with the last pick and the first pick, yeah, you're waiting very long, which I think we've both had experience at that and kind of learned that, yeah, definitely reaching a lot of players because you're like, All right, oh, yeah. they're not going to make it back to me.
0: So um, before we move on from this question, I'm going to rapid fire you a couple of players that I know you specifically, Xavier, are higher on than I'd say the expert consensus rankings. And so I'm gonna ask you pretty much, is this a player that you can reach on? Or do you think it's okay to reach on? Or is this a player that you tend to find yourself playing the ADP game with where you're waiting a couple more rounds later than you would want to take him, but you're trying to get a value. So the first name I'll put up here is your boy Jaden Daniels, quarterback right. out of Arizona State. So reach or ADP game? I think or reach can. or wait. I think Sorry. Reach,
1: I, I think you reach. I think uh, Jaden Daniels is one of those top quarterbacks in the pack 12 uh, up there with him. DTR um, Keaton Slovis. Uh, he's in that echelon and everything else is a tier below. And with Arizona state, they put out great wide receivers. They have a great running back room, great offense. So even though this last season may not have been imp- uh, the greatest showing, they only played, I don't even think they played their full six games. They probably played like two or three. I think they played three. So it wasn't a great sample size, but I, I've i seen the proof, especially with his Oregon, uh, his Oregon game in 2019, hmm. he can play. And he will put up a lot of fancy points with his arm and his legs. So I believe in him. I think he's have a great season next year. You'll have a full spring, a full summer. So I think getting one of those uh, top three quarterback in whichever conference is just good in any right. So I wouldn't say just wait on him. Just If that's your first quarterback, it's fine. Your second quarterback, that's great. So,
0: so Xavier saying Jaden Daniels is a QB1. All righty. So we'll go on to the next uh, next guy we have on the list here. And this one's a, a probably changes a little bit given uh, the fact that he was injured in his spring game yesterday. But Jaden Wally, wide receiver out of Mississippi State. What are your thoughts there, Xavier? Reach or wait?
1: Oh, man. I think you just... I'll, I'll play the ADP game and wait. Because I, I believe he's going to be in that uh, that second or third round of where people are just taking wide receivers. And if he falls to you, you take him. Hmm. If he doesn't, it's fine. You'll still have great value somewhere else. So, I mean, I, I, I like him personally. I, I, I would want to draft him. That's somebody I would actually target and be like, I want Jaden Wally. But given – this is this before the injury. But given now, like then, I'd be like, you know what? If I can't get – like, obviously, I'm not going to get a Keyshawn Boutte or a David Bill. But a Jaden Wally or a Jahan, like it's in that echelon of the Jah- Jahan Dotson and, and uh, Eric azukama Even I have them rated over Ez- Eric Ezukama, and I think many others do. But mm-hmm. I-, I think you just wait. It's it's not going to be that long of a wait. So it's going to be in those first two, three rounds. So it's not really up to you. If you should reach not. Nice. It's just play the game. You'll still get mm-hmm. good value.
0: And I think it'll be interesting now. Because, well, I-, I hate to say something's interesting because of somebody's injury, but like, I think you will start to see his ADP drop because of this injury. And I think it'll be interesting to kind of play around and see, like, where does he fall? That, I, I played this with um, in the mock draft right now. There's a couple of players I was willing to willing to probably take. They're like, I'll give an example, uh, Jermaine Burton. Uh, I was heavily thinking about taking him in one of the rounds. But then I kind of thought to myself, I'm like, I haven't seen where, this, where he goes now that George Pickens has been injured. And so I was willing to wait on him mostly just, especially in a mock draft. I was willing just to just see where he goes and he went two picks later, but like, but even still, like I thought it was, in, I, I sometimes you just do that, especially in a mock draft, just kind of learn where people are going.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Next guy we got coming up here is running back out of Colorado, Jarek Broussard. So Xavier reach or wait, reach,
1: please reach. Oh my goodness. I, I just don't understand it. I, the man had a great season last season. Uh, it was multiple hundred yard, 200 yard, had, I believe one, 300 yard game gets touchdowns. He can catch up to the backfield. Maybe not as often as you would want in a PPR league, but he still does it. And he's doing it at a highly productive rate. It's, it's honestly up there with an Isaiah Spiller um, of Bijan, of uh, the expected uh, return of a Bijan Robinson. It's, He's in the Pac-12. They're not playing defense, so I just put those two cents in there for a running back of that caliber. I would reach for Jake Broussard.
0: dude. I was I was about to I I went to fact check you on that because you said the 300 yard a game. I'm like that doesn't sound right, and I went and looked. Sure did. Arizona, yeah. uh, 301 yard, 301 yards, zero touchdowns, but um, still I'm looking at still, this like
1: 300 yards. Good lord, yeah. Uh, I'm still kind of confused about how people just let him fall that far. And I'm just like, I I probably got him as my second or third running back. And I'm just like, how
0: I agree with you. I have him as a running back too. I think he's going to be fantastic this upcoming year. So uh, we'll go on to the next name. Travell Harris, wide receiver out of Washington state reach or wait.
1: I'll wait on this one. Uh, I think Harris is an excellent wide receiver. Uh, I think it's going to be great with uh, Washington state pac 12 offenses are always going to be, be kind of spread out. so And, you know, you have Max Borgie back there in the backfield, so you'll definitely see a, a, a bit of a balance. But Travel Harris is that clear number one. But it's not like he's the I, – I don't have him ranked as highly as other receivers that I would have uh, throughout the country or the nation in college football, but he is a good value. But I think you could just wait on him. There's nothing to really reach for. Because at, at the same time, it's Washington State. I don't think you're going to see back in, I, I believe it was 2019, where it was uh, Anthony Gordon, where he was throwing for five <laughs> 600 yards. You're not going to see that. Nine uh,
0: touchdowns, or, I believe, against yeah, UCLA. That, and yeah. still lost the game.
1: Still lost the game. Somehow, someway.
0: Um, but, I'll throw another name out here real quick. And that's Renard Bell, the other wide receiver there at Washington State. And I think because of his pedigree there and I do think Travell Harris will be the wide receiver one there this upcoming year but I think if you wait a little bit and you miss on Travell Harris like he goes a little bit earlier than you were expecting I think Renard Bell is absolutely somebody if you still want a piece of that offense to kind of shoot for a round or two later in order to still kind of get that value that you're looking for. Yeah, so I think true. that's another reason why waiting on Travell Harris is kind of worth it compared to uh, some other receivers you might go higher on. So any other thoughts on him before
1: we move on, Xavier? Nah, we can move on to the next one.
0: Sounds good. Uh, so next one up is our boy, quarterback out of Georgia, JT Daniels. So uh, Xavier, wait or reach?
1: Ooh, this is tough. This is tough. I- I'm trying to be as non-biased as I can. I- I'll start out in preface this in saying, what the man has done—he uh, went four and zero as a starter for Georgia, and besides only throwing under two hundred yards for one game, mm-hmm. he was putting up a lot of yards. This uh, with him and Monken, it was—it was probably like two hundred yard game, three hundred yard game, four hundred yard game. Then I think there was another three hundred yard game in there. And no, he threw like- three
0: hundred in the spring
1: yesterday. Yeah, he threw three hundred in the spring yesterday. Georgia is definitely like I know there's the. Uh, there's that like uh that uh, oh man the stereotype that Georgia's just gonna run the ball and wide receivers just go there to die, and that's not true anymore. It's I I know as a Georgia fan this might just I might sound delusional and biased, but I, I promise you Todd Monken has a plan. Like the the ball is spread out more. We're using tight ends. James Cook is catching out of the backfield. These are things you don't usually hear from a Georgia fan. Instead of just like all right we run run pass on our uh downs our first three downs like this is completely different so the fact that jt daniels has weapons even though there is no george pickens this season or until we'll see if he comes back later on but mm-hmm. he has jermaine burr and arian smith uh there is one other guy i'll wait till we talk about the spring game but a true freshman coming in making some noise in georgia then we also have arian smith if dominic Law comes back healthy rosamy jack saint jt has the tools to do this so i think I'm saying all this now, and, you know, if you buy into the hype, I I appreciate you hearing me out, but I think you can wait because people are still, you know, hesitant about Georgia and their offense, and they're not true believers of, like, what has – the change that has occurred. Okay. So I think you can wait, but if more news comes out and, you you know, starts hearing people more and more and saying, man, maybe Georgia, you know, is a real contender this year and has a brand new offense. We already have a great defense. I wouldn't be surprised if you would have to reach but for now uh i think you can get better value at other positions and wait on jt daniels and maybe like a seventh or eighth round.
0: okay yep that definitely makes sense and we'll go with our last guy here uh you kind of touched on him already a couple of times you used him as an example as a uh where people are kind of ranked and falling in the draft and everything but Jahan dodson wide receiver out of penn state so xavier reach or
1: wait Oh man, I I'm reaching on Jahan Dotson. Uh, he is the clear number one. Now there is a there is a clear number two with Parker Washington there, and I expect him to get more targets. But Jahan Dotson, is probably the best. Uh, he's uh, he's in the upper echelon. Uh, he actually had the most yards out of the receivers in the Big Ten this past year. Wow. So uh, I'm not saying he's the best wide receiver in the Big Ten because you know you have those uh, those receivers at Ohio State and. I I personally believe Jahan Dotson is, but I think there is room for debate if Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson is uh, a part of that as well. But the man is just outstanding—from one-handed to catches to coming out of breaks, getting separation from the DBs, getting touchdowns, getting yards. He is—he is that offense. And with Penn State, you know their running back room is depleted. We'll see Noah Cain come back. Hopefully, he comes back. 100% Hopefully,
0: back. good lord. But
1: if not, then. Sean Clifford's just gonna have to rely on his passing game, which uh, sorry for Penn State, it might not work completely, but Jahan Dotson will put up. He will put produce numbers. So I'd buy into that. And that is honestly a second round receiver that I would reach for. Or if you can get him at the third round, then that's you got to steal. But he will not he will not be there for long on draft boards.
0: I am I'm with you, Xavier, where I think Jahan Dotson is in that conversation, the best receiver in the Big Ten. The only thing that kind of makes me hesitate a little bit on him, as you kind of mentioned there, is the quarterback situation at Penn State. Sean Clifford. I don't know what happened last year. Maybe he like with Kirk Soraka, I believe that was a offensive coordinator at Penn State last year. I don't know if he just didn't mesh well with that system or what was going on. COVID and everything. I don't know if that just he got hit harder than anybody else, but he regressed massively last year and was part a good. Part of the reason why Penn State went, I believe, one in five to start. No, they went zero in five to start the season, right? Yep. Um So if things don't improve there for him, I have to ding Jahan Dotson a little bit. Nothing on talent, but just I'm just afraid that passing game just won't be up to the point where Jahan Dotson would live up to his draft capital right now. But on a talent level, again, I agree with you 100. I love to see. I love seeing him play. He's great. Yep.
1: I will rebut that and say okay. if you if you're higher on a Ohio State wide receiver, I will say with Ohio State having that many talented wide receivers, you have to spread that ball. With Penn State, it's just Jahan Dotson. Like I, I did, and Parker
0: that. Washington. Don't forget Parker, Parker Washington. I mentioned
1: Parker Washington, which is a, a he was a true freshman last year, showed promise. But it's Jahan Dotson, and then Parker Washington is like still great receiver. I I I really like what I'm seeing at uh, when I saw them last season, and I. Personally drafted him in our Power Five mock league, but yeah, it's Jahan Dotson and then Tier Downtown down, and well, that's folks. Parker.
0: Folks, you hit hear, you heard it here first. Xavier would have the wide receiver one on a trash passing game, then the wide receiver two on a massive passing game. I'm joking, of course. Yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> Jahan yeah. Dotson yeah. again, the clearly wide is.
1: one, but he he'd be up there for for me to reach.
0: No, I agree. I agree. I'm just messing with you, Xavier. Yeah, so we'll yeah. go ahead and that was the last one for out of those guys. So we'll go ahead and move on to the third question here. So Xavier, which position groups should be valued in, uh, over others in drafts? So which should you be going for quarterbacks, wide receivers, who running backs, tight ends? Who are you going a little bit earlier this year than you typically would have? Who are you waiting on a little bit later? I'm curious. Okay.
1: Uh, for my first round pick, depending on where I am, I want to build my team around a running back. Now, if I have the first pick, there's just one obvious choice, and it's Malik Willis, and then that. Oh, yes. But when it's like two through, uh, depending on if you're on a twelve uh, team league, I feel like two through six, I'm building around a running back. Like I know there's Spencer Rattler out there. You could, if you're really high on Bryce Young, you can go Bryce Young because it's Alabama. But I'm taking a a prolific running back, whether it's a Brees Hall, a Bijan, or Mohamed Ibrahim, I'm getting one of those three because mm-hmm. the amount of things that they can do running backs are just utilized at so they they do so much you're getting uh they're rushing they're catching passes out of the backfield and in the slot it's it's just the accumulation of that the the amount of points that a person technically could get is just weighs a lot higher than these other positions so i'm definitely going running back is like uh, my number one priority then i would go qb Well, I wouldn't. Well, not second round. I'd go probably wide receiver this year because there is a distinct level of what you need. So wide receivers, there's only uh, a lot of them left. A lot of a lot of good wide receivers are leaving, so we have to find out who these new wide receivers are. There are a few that are uh, that are up there, like Keyshawn Butte had a great, great last few games at LSU, and everybody has them. And then David Bell replacing Rondell Moore. Not replacing, he outproduced him last year. Well, yeah, outproduced him with Rondell Moore, like basically saying, "I came back, now I'm gone." And so, fair enough. That's either here or there, but yeah, David Bell, number one, or Keyshawn Butte, whichever one you decide. But they're probably going to be gone first round. So after that, that's when you start playing the game of all right, let's see how much value I can stock up at this position, quarterback after the first maybe 3 power 5 one after Malik Willis you have Spencer Adler, Bryce Young and uh, Matt Corral so mm-hmm. after those are gone you could probably wait a little bit longer on some other quarterbacks and then just draft basically on that skill position and then tight end would obviously be last there there are a few good uh, ones out there but you won't find a Cal Pitts out there this year i hope i said that I mean, now. we don't know who that cal pitts know. is yet we, we don't, don't we don't them. know we don't know, but I don't I don't see that happening for a while now. Some there are guys that could surprise me, but that's a once in a generation type of player. It'd, I'd be shocked to see another one producing at the rate that he was producing at week in week out. But yeah, you could definitely. It's I'd go yeah, running back, wide receiver, QB, then tight end, and then if you have if you're forced in a league to draft a kicker, then yeah, obviously kicker would be last.
0: Yeah, that's, also, that's one thing I, I'm curious about because they're not having any defenses in drafts right now, in the mock drafts right now, but like, I want to see how late people kind of wait on defense because defenses are different yeah. in CFF, much different in CFF than in NFL. Like, I agree. NFL, your defense should be like your last pick. Um, you don't need to draft hot. You don't need to overdraft on your defense. But in college, you oh. get a team like Georgia or Clemson that's- who can feast on these kind of lower division schools and everything oh boy like that that'll save you some weeks yeah um in terms of my kind of strategies for like positions and everything this year it's changing for me a little bit where the past couple years if you were to go back to younger me and say jared you would heavily consider drafting a wide receiver in the first round younger me would laugh at you because younger me was like no no you you have to you have to get quarterback or running back like if you don't have that, you don't have a team. Keyshawn Boutte and David Bell this year, I am heavily considering uh, looking to draft one of them in the first round, especially Keyshawn Boutte clearly is the number one receiver at LSU. And regardless of Max Johnson or Miles Brennan, they both have chemistry with him. He's worth a first round pick this year. And to, so that's kind of crazy to me. I mentioned this before, but wide receivers drop off this year more than in past years like to me there's like a clear upper tier of wide receivers and you have to get one of those wide receivers in the first two rounds otherwise you're going to be scrambling for wide receivers later and you're not gonna it's not going to be good for you I think you wait a little bit on running backs a little bit this year like personally I'll probably go running back over quarterback almost every time in the first round if those are my two choices if boute or they, if I'm not considered a wide receiver at that point um Again, like you said, unless it's Malik Willis, Malik Willis is clearly the 101. Um, but quarterback to me is the position that shows the depth this year and is the one that I'm probably waiting on a little bit later in drafts this year than I normally would because you're still getting pretty good value. Um, even like if you don't if you don't take a quarterback until like the fifth round, you're still looking at some really good options, especially in full FBF. Again, we're in a Power Five league right now, and I can actually pull that up just a little bit. And I'll tell you some of the quarterbacks going in the fifth round, around there uh, fifth round. Yeah, Jaden Daniels at Arizona State quarterback, Casey Thompson, Texas, uh, Michael Penix Jr. out of Indiana. Um, seventh round, you had. Uh, Malik Cunningham out of Louisville Miles Brennan, Will Rogers and Jaden DeLore were all quarterbacks that went in the 8th round. So that should tell you the value that you're getting in a league where half the players aren't available versus a full FBS league you can get those guys even later than that so quarterback I say is the is, the, is the position that you can kind of wait on this year and as Xavier mentioned earlier tight end is definitely even, especially with it being even deeper this year you could probably wait a little bit longer, unless you just want to go after that guy. Like in this power, in this power five league, Xavier and I are, are drafting it right now. I started off; I just went for Jaden Wildermeyer because I just wanted Jaden Wildermeyer on my team, and I reached for him. So, yeah, that's kind of my two cents on it, Xavier. You have any more thoughts
1: there? No, uh, nothing to say anymore. I didn't reach when I tied in. I haven't even picked a tight end. He has this. not,
0: and we're in the twelfth or thirteenth round. Thirteenth round. 13th round. Speaking of which, it's your pick right now, just letting you know. I know. It's going to be a QB or tight end. We'll see. So, nah, stick to it. Don't draft a tight end until the very end. Probably. All right. So we'll go ahead and move on to our fourth question here. And that is, and these are a bit more rankings and valuing players more than just drafting. So this next question for you, Xavier, is how do you value upside versus proven production on a team?
1: Yeah, uh, this is this is not that hard of a question for me. I will say this: it, I, it may be a little bit uh, part of my strategy how I view it because I've just learned how it's just more efficient. But you know, as long as you're you know not one of those people that are just looking at the stats and actually watching these games and seeing the system that these teams are running, how the quarterback is syncing with the wide receivers, are these wide receivers like are there releases? Are they getting out of breaks? Are they beating the DBs? Are they do they have the ability to get uh, to produce mm-hmm. now proven production? That's like uh, Jared mentioned earlier, where sometimes you, you don't always take the guy with the high upside, because it could be he has high upside, but also could be a bust. And there's the proven guy that they come through every week, but they're not going to get you that maximum amount of points that you thought the high upside guy would get. Mm-hmm. So I will take uh, one example. We'll just let this know now, but uh, a Jai Hall out of uh, Alabama, for true freshman. I, I high upside, high upside, especially for what they lost at that position this past year. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Devontae Smith or Jerry Judy but in the first year, but I definitely see the talent there that he will be a number one receiver sometime soon, whether if he just completely just outdone John Mechie, which I, I doubt, but like in a year or two, Ajay Ha looks like he's going to be the number one receiver for Alabama. He looks like that next great Alabama receiver. And I don't mind drafting him for the upside maybe in a later round. If nobody's like, you know, look, there are times where people are hesitant about freshmen. But if you just see what these people are doing then and seeing how are they making these catches, are they running routes to where they're getting, you know, maybe five, six yards. Can they do it over and over again? Or are they going deep? Then that's how I value improving production yeah you can just look at the stats and are they consistently doing this on a regular basis they're getting like 3 to maybe 7 receptions maybe one game they'll get close to 100 yards or maybe not but
0: so yeah. i'll ask you this saver so how do you determine like you're looking at a team and you see a guy coming back and like the lead receiver is gone and so you have like your wide receiver 2 and 3 there wide receiver 3 is clearly a tier below in terms of targets but they have a higher pedigree, they're likely a five star versus like you get maybe have your second guy who's like a four star, maybe a, like a lower four star. Like the pedigree's not quite as it's still there, but not quite as there. How do you determine which of those guys kind of steps up and takes over that number
1: one spot? Yeah, that's a little bit more tricky now. Uh that's uh that goes into a little bit more research to where You'll uh, you'll look at message boards. You'll hear some news out of camp and see how these games are going in the spring or at practice, and you'll look at quotes and say, "I know uh, with J T. Daniels, he he mentioned one of his receivers that I won't name just because it's a surprise for our next episode, but he's putting in the work. I like him a lot. Uh, I'm finding I, I'm actively looking for him because I know he's like you know wanting to get the ball. Mm-hmm. So it's just little things like that and what coaches are saying, and then. You also look at, um, if you want to be more statistical, then you'll, I know what you'll look at is, all right, let me look at the stats and see what your long is and how many uh, yards per catch are you getting. instead of just like, all right, you had more targets and more receptions, but this person, like, we'll take an example of like, all right, this uh, player A has more targets and receptions, but player B maybe has just a little bit less, but he's averaging way more yards per catch. So it's it's a little bit of that uh, guessing game and hoping but also i mm. uh, i think if you put in the research you could pretty uh you could tell pretty quickly uh, by the time the uh the official drafts start happening who's going be that number one or you mm. can just take that gamble so
0: i think another thing to kind of point out here and i think you're touching on just a little bit here is just knowing the positions that are on an offense like knowing who the x receiver is who the wide receiver is who's in the slot um i think i just repeated myself there uh by accident just different names for different things I think why and slot are the same correct am I yeah okay so but just like knowing who kind of fits each of those roles because again we'll use Georgia here because we're both Georgia fans and I think it provides a good example here but like George Pickens goes down and a lot of people are like oh Jermaine Burton will be the guy to step up and everything I'm like I agree However, I think another, a couple other names are names that people aren't realizing are names like Justin Jefferson or, sorry, Xavier, I'm going to spoil it here, Adonai Mitchell, yeah. who have the frame to be that ex-receiver that George Pickens was being in the Georgia offense. They kind of fit that role a little bit better, even though technically, like, J- Marcus Rosemary, Jack Jackson, uh, Dominic Blaylock, or Kiaris Jackson might be talented. They're the ones that are probably going to be getting those reps at that position, so you might want to take a just an extra check, an extra look at those guys, and see who steps up into that same position.
1: Yeah, I I will mention this where the news came out that uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State has Mm -hmm. uh, moved over to the X position, which is really yeah i, believe I thought so. he's playing the slot all oh, right interesting the slot and garrett wilson's moved over to the x yes there you go i was gonna say that and sounds more like it. now people are now people are looking at maybe is garrett wilson the number oh not the number one but he's gonna get those deep balls and chris olave still a great receiver which you should take high but if you it, it comes down to the decision of garrett wilson versus chris olave i feel like if you look at that and be like well usually uh Naturally the exposition is gonna be your best receiver, the one that's getting all the highlight plays, touchdowns, and mm-hmm. uh, breaking up the stats. It wouldn't be out of the question to take Garrett Wilson over Chris Olave. So
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I would I would definitely agree with you. And um Yeah, I'll I'll make my thoughts on uh Chris Olave versus Garrett Wilson. I'm sure that would be a episode of the future. Mm-hmm. So before we get done with this question, Xavier, I'm gonna ask you three rapid fire scenarios and you give me your thoughts real quick. As to who you would take, I'm going to give him one guy who I say has the higher upside and one guy who is the proven production. So first, we're going to go to Maryland at their wide receiver room. And you have Dante Demas, who I believe is either a junior or senior coming into this year, uh, versus Rakeem Jarrett, who's a five-star sophomore this upcoming year. Last year, Dante Demas averaged three more targets per game than Rakeem Jarrett did Zaver, who are you taking earlier and who are you valuing higher
1: i'm taking rakeem jared uh, right. i think i think with him and uh talia Tangavaloa, uh the connection that i saw there was apparent and rakeem jared did have an over 100 yard game i believe this past season and showed out and that's where it put him on the map to where he lived up to the hype of his five stars now damas is a great receiver uh definitely the proven production like you said and coming back for his senior year i believe and it is safe to say that you know there are people in the community that believe that you know when you're a senior that you'll start having that priority and see uh seniority he's a junior
0: by the way i just looked at
1: so with him being upperclassman you'll you'll expect him to have a little bit of seniority but with the talent that's there and with talia being a growing quarterback if he's already a found his uh like direct connection like there there are times where uh yeah a quarterback will have a favorite receiver all the time mm. so if Rakeem Jarrett is that I will take that over DeMoss so I'm going with Rakeem Jarrett this uh this upcoming season if I was given the, uh, the opportunity
0: all right perfect uh the next options we're going to give you so the proven production pick here is Master Teague out of Ohio State or running back out of Ohio State And the upside pick would be Travion Henderson running back, freshman running back at Ohio State this year. Xavier, who are you taking?
1: Oh, man, this is a tough one because I'm hearing so many different things because at first, Travion Henderson wasn't on my radar. I knew who he was from recruiting, but I haven't heard this much buzz about a running back in a long time about this man is walking on campus being that guy. And I'm like, how can he do that? I was like, these this doesn't come around that often where you're just a freshman and I'm startup camp. Like, coaches are raving about you. The media is raving about you. But then you have Master Teague, who wasn't a bad running back for uh, Ohio State. Like, obviously, you had Trey Sermon explode uh, this past season. But Master Teague, uh, I believe he was barring some injuries this uh, early in the season. So that allowed Trey mm-hmm. Sermon to uh, kind of establish that role of him as RB1. But Master Teague is nothing to scoff at. I I think I would. Hmm. I'd say I'd play it safe and go with Master Teague, because even though Trevion Henderson may be out of this world great in practice and you know physically, once you actually play high school football and college football, there there is a there is a gap in a, that it's a there's a welcome to the uh, welcome to college football moment like there is welcome to the lead mm-hmm. moments. So sometimes people are built for it, sometimes they're not. Sometimes it takes time. Master Teague is somebody that I don't need to take time for. I know what I'm going to get. So I'd go with Master Teague for now. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'll,
0: I'll be honest. I agree with you. Uh, however, again, we'll, we'll be on C2C next week. And um, if you're in a C2C league, Travion Henderson's got to be near the top of your list because yeah. <laughs> Master Teague's gone after this year, more than likely. And Travion Henderson, in CFF perspective, next year could be the running back one. Yeah, like dude is gonna be a monster, and um, I don't know if you have you gotten t- have you gotten a chance to watch uh, the Ohio State spring game tape
1: yet, Xavier? I've watched a few, but I didn't get to see that much.
0: Okay, well, I I watched a, a few highlights and uh, Trayvon Henderson. Like he he never he didn't have like a big player or anything, but like every time he got the ball, you could tell that like that something could happen. Like he could bust a move at any point and just take off. Yeah. So we'll go with our last setup here, and so the proven production option here is Brian Robinson jr. Running back out of Alabama and the upside uh, pick here would be Chase McClellan run or sophomore running back out of Alabama.
1: So Xavier, who are you valuing higher? I'm going to take Jason McCle- McClellan.
0: Uh, Breaking my heart over here.
1: I'm oh, Sorry. Uh, Brian Robinson jr. Great running back for Alabama. It's, he was just behind a great running back room for all those years and now that his time has come I I just I, I after watching his games and what he can do I just don't see him as that you know Alabama has a standard of running backs where they're just all world great obviously they're going to be top five they're going to be in that top 5 conversation of running backs in the draft and I don't get that feeling from Brian Robinson Jr because I've not I also I haven't seen him as that number 1 running back where, at any time. So honestly, this is kind of like even though he has been backing up Najee Harris and I've seen him more than I have seen Jason McClellan, I'm hearing more things that Jason McClellan is just quick, can catch up the backfield, can play in the wide receiver position. I'm hearing all these different things and I'm like, I I think I have to take the the upside just outweighs what I've seen from Brian Robinson. And so I am sorry to do that to but would would you I'll
0: I'll ask you this. So a couple years ago you had Alabama's running back room consisted of Josh Jacobs, um, Damian Harris and Najee Harris. Those okay. were the top three running backs. Would you have said the same thing the year after um the year after Jacobs and Damian go off to the league? Would you have said the same thing about Najee and that, oh, I haven't seen him as a running back one yet. I'm not so sure about this kind of deal.
1: I I feel like I saw flashes from Najee though. It, okay. It, there's like there's moments in time where you just see a player and you're like, yeah, you're probably next up. Brian Robinson just seems to, like, you're just there as it's it's just a hierarchy thing. You've been there the longest. We're just, we have to give you this role out of respect, but I feel like at the, any moment, he could lose that that job as RB1. I'll
0: be honest. Um, mo- most of my support for Brian Robinson comes from just me watching him and, like, him sticking around, him being that, him, him kind of taking the lumps. I think it's just his this year he's going to be proving a lot of doubters wrong and I think oh, he's going I, to- I will
1: take that into consideration because if you look at it from let, let's take the quarterback situation at Alabama where you go from Jalen Hurts to Tua to Mac Jones and Mac Jones took the lumps and the accuracy it was he had one of the most accurate college football seasons so I will I will concede to that point but I think, from my, I think um, I'm basically going to just take from my heart and take the gamble of taking Jason McClellan, McClellan from what I'm hearing out of camp of his abilities uh, as a running back can be. Yep,
0: yeah, that's fine. You can be wrong all day long. That's yeah, fine with me. sure. I could <laughs>
1: be wrong or I could be right. <laughs> all
0: right, so we'll go ahead and move on to the next one. This one's kind of an expansion of uh, the last question, but we're really going to talk about how do you value – transfers versus returning players so again this is kind of expansion of upside versus proven production but to me like with the transfer portal exploding like it is right now how do you evaluate really which transfers are going to be pushing those returning players and everything so i'll let you take that
1: yeah, that's the a little bit tougher than upside and pr- proven production because you already have uh, – well, we'll take the example of if it's uh, a good transfer player coming into a situation where there's a good returning player. Who's going to get that start? Are they going to split carries? Is it a running back or position by committee? Unless it's a quarterback, then you can't really do that. Hmm. Well, it has been done before. Oh, no, that was that.
0: I would say Arkansas State successful. did it last year
1: and it pissed me right the hell off for
0: several weeks. I can tell you that much. You said who did it? Arkansas State with uh, Logan Bonner and Lane Hatcher. Golly. That
1: worked well. Not for fantasy. It didn't know. Fantasy doesn't. uh, But, um, yeah, it's – you just have to – I will say this. If it's a transfer and they left because of – we'll take – maybe – I really don't want to use this because I feel like uh, we're going to do this in the next quick fire segment. But I have to because with Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks, that's just the most interesting situation probably okay. in the nation in terms of... I'll, I'll ask you about them first, then. Yeah. I, I think two great running backs. Kennedy Brooks obviously opted out last season and is coming back for, uh Oklahoma. And great running back. Um, definitely one of the best running backs in the country. But then Eric Gray was oftentimes overlooked, not in terms of fantasy, but overlooked by the media and just in general because he played at Tennessee. And Tennessee's not mm-hmm. the greatest right now. They're actually in shambles. That's why he's leaving. So... You have a guy like Eric Gray, if you watched him closely, you can see that easily, if he would have went to any other program where maybe the returning player wasn't as good, number one automatically, Mm -hmm. I I think it wouldn't be a question. But the fact that you have Kennedy Brooks there makes this a little bit more intriguing. And I think you just have to look at both of their skill sets and what Oklahoma does. And I think Eric Gray just fits that system a little bit better to where he caught a lot of passes out the backfield. I think that will be nice – uh spencer Rattler to get used to it with a running back mm-hmm. that's doing that not saying kennedy brooks can't do that but i've seen eric gray do it all, probably a lot more and i have a larger sample size from eric gray mm-hmm. and also kennedy <clears throat> brooks is coming off a season and not playing not saying that you know that he that's can't fair be point in shape or, hmm? i said that's a fair point yeah so not saying kennedy brooks that can't, can't be in shape but you're move from college football i'm not saying uh, you could get healthier and could you know be more rested, or you could, you know, take the guy with the hot hand. And Air Gray had a great season where I believe he might have broken a 1,000 yards. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't or did. But I can look that up for you real quick. Yeah.
0: So, oh, go ahead. I, I, thought you, I thought you were uh, finished. I was
1: going yeah, to continue on talking until you found out. But, yeah, with those two players. Uh, he
0: did not break a 1,000 yards last mm-hmm. year. He was 772.
1: 772. Uh, but... How many receiving yards did he have?
0: Uh, He had 30 receptions for 254 yards. Okay, you're thinking of all-purpose yards. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. So I'm thinking like yeah, all-purpose. Eric Gray seems like the answer for that Oklahoma offense. Well, not it's not like they needed anything, but that is a very added bonus. And with Lincoln Riley in that system, I think Eric Gray will fly or will thrive. So it's it's very tricky because it's like, well, um, with transfers, it's just. You have to find out the reason that they're transferring. If they're a good player and they want to transfer to a better program, then I'll, I may give it to the transfer based off of their talent. If the returning player maybe didn't produce at a high rate, and obviously you know the, the school off, offered them a scholarship to be on the team. So obviously they see a need or maybe a possibility to get better. Now, there are times where the returning player, the, where a player will transfer in and there's just like, I don't understand why because the returning player played so well. So, mm-hmm. I I think it's a case by case situation. So it's just mainly like looking at the system that uh the team the team has, and does this player uh this player transferring in fit that system to where they can produce at a higher rate than the returning player?
0: Yeah, I, I think those are all very good points. So uh, again, you I, I I would have three out of or I would have three uh uh questions to ask you here. But again, you already kind of touched on Eric Gray, Kennedy Brooks. You're taking the Eric Gray side. I'm taking Kennedy Brooks. If you haven't figured it out by now, I'm a little bit different than Xavier. I am much safer in terms of like who I go for, and I often value returning production and proven production more often than I will upside because uh, I believe that the people who put in the work tend to get rewarded. But also, I get busted on a lot of things, and I miss out on great players like Kyle Pitts and uh, lots of other players that probably I was just wrong about. Uh, so I'll go ahead and give you uh, two more questions here and so the first one we're going to go over to Ole Miss and their receiving situation so Xavier you got three returning wide receivers in Braylon Sanders Jonathan Mingo and Dontario Germond versus the wide receiver out of Western Kentucky, Ja'Core Pearson, so who are you valuing higher and you don't I'm not like really I'm not asking you to like Compare him to individually Drummond, yeah, Jonathan I, I, Mingo, I, or Braylon Sanders. I'm, just take the top one of your in your opinion out of that group and compare him to Jacor Pearson.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of figured that as well. I'll take the returning players over Jacor Pearson. Okay. Uh, I think you know, with Elijah Moore gone, you had Mingo, Drummond, uh, Braylon Sanders, all that know the system. Jacor Pearson's coming from an FCS school, coming to the SEC now. That Western Kentucky be- is a oh. uh, CUSA. CUSA, okay. It's so, a group of five. Group of five. So you're coming from a group of five to this SEC. That is a big jump. And not saying that, I mean, you, you can hear good things out of practice and be like, Ja'Core Pearson is doing great. But I also get to take an effect that he's going against Ole Miss defense. So may not be I'm the not greatest thing in the world to, you know, have a test to. So I'll take the proof of production that actually has seen SEC competition.
0: Okay. Um, and I'll just, again, follow up question. Braylon Sanders, Jonathan Mingo, Dontario, Jermond, which ones, or I guess which ones, really, would you draft over Ja'Core Pearson? I'd probably go with Mingo. Mingo, okay. Mingo's your guy. Yeah. I kind of lean Braylon Sanders a little bit, but I understand the people who are going Jonathan Mingo. I think, Out of yeah, that group.
1: That's, that's the one time I will say I'm going with the Safer. I'll go with the Safer. Okay.
0: Fair enough. So last uh, last question I got for you here, or last situation here, we have um, returning wide receiver one Mike Harley. Wide receiver from Miami versus transfer from Oklahoma, Charleston Rambo. Xavier, who are you valuing higher this upcoming season? Oh,
1: man. I feel bad because I really, I've heard good things out of spring from Charleston Rambo, but I also was burned by Charleston Rambo last season. I expected him to replace CD Lamb, and he did not at all, except for the first game. He did well. And then after that, never saw him again. So. I, I remember take, that
0: you felt vindictive, vindicted after that game. Yeah, I was like,
1: man, I got, I got the new CD. I got Oklahoma's number one, and then turned out to be Marvin Mims, and I was mm-hmm. like, wow, okay, then, this is different. And he, I didn't even. I was like, I went down. I had Theo Weiss, Charles. You did, Savannah.
0: yeah. I would say you, you double dipped to Oklahoma receiver, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and you none said-
1: of them. I was because like, a freshman. Wow, who would have thought? Mm-hmm. But I'll take Mike Harley. He knows he's been in the system longer. I. I He's uh depending on who starts, which everybody's expecting to be the king. If he's healthy, yes. Um,
0: yeah. if, if not, have you Jake watched? Garcia. I would say, have you watched the Miami Spring Game yet? I, I have seen majority
1: of it. Jake Garcia looks good. Good.
0: And Van Dyke looked pretty good as well. They got yeah, they got a legit yeah. QB battle back there. Yeah. So I'm not worried about I'm not worried about Miami's quarterback this year. Yeah.
1: So I think I'll take with Mike Harley.
0: Saying Mike Harley over Charleston Rambo. Yeah. Alrighty. So with that, we'll move on to our final question here. And this one deals a little bit more with in season stuff. Like you're not really going to touch on this until later, but Xavier, I know you really wanted to talk about this. Oh yeah. And so what how do you decide who to start and who to bench? Like what are like just in a general view of things? Like obviously this is hugely situationally based, but what are some things that you just kind of look for for Deciding who should be on your starting roster, who should be benched kind of deal.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a, a few elements I take into account. First off, I'm going with who are they playing? Are they playing a good defense or are they going to play a terrible defense? Like if I see that um, DJ Ugalele, I'm sorry, I can't get his name right, but I like we saying that. We ungalele. Oh gosh. <laughs> I'm going to keep on saying it the way I can. I'm so sorry, but at the same time, your name is really hard. But Fair if enough. you show out, you'll get the respect you deserve. But anyways, if he's playing somebody like Florida State, and I have also, uh, safe, just for the sake of good example, I have Bryce Young, and I can't start two quarterbacks or if I have another good quarterback. And I and Bryce Young is going First to all, the, If
0: you have DJ and Bryce Young on your team,
1: you're doing really well. <laughs> you're doing well. But if Bryce Young is facing, um, say, Georgia in the upcoming week, then I'm going to probably go with DJ. Based on the fact that DJ's facing an easier opponent, he'll most likely have time. Um, probably is going to like put up a lot of like with Debo, he does not go easy on teams, but mm-hmm. that's just that's that's more situational. But uh, I also look at uh trends though, because uh, say maybe um, if you have a streaky quarterback to where yeah, they'll get you maybe 25, 31 week back to 20. Then forty, I may not go with that guy. I'm like, look, you could blow up or not, or I'll take the consistent guy that's getting me twenty-eight to thirty. Sometimes the occasional forty, I'll just be like, look, you've been on a good streak. It would be really like weird for you to just completely fall off the map to mm-hmm. where you'd have like a Trevor Lawrence versus Syracuse type game where I'm just like, What what happened?
0: So how do you balance those two then? Are like if you have a streaky quarterback who's like on a, on a good streak, but he's about to face a really good defense, like what what are you were you, you balancing that out?
1: Uh, if I was, oh man, I think I'd still take the um the the quarterback on a good streak, even okay. if they're facing a good defense. I'd I'd trust in them that they'll overcome it. And then once I feel like sometimes where it depending on the team, I know with Alabama last year, once it was like with Mac Jones, once he got his like first touchdown with uh, Devontae Smith, the floodgates were open. There was nothing mm-hmm. you could do after that. Fair so if I have a quarterback of that like stature. I'm just like well. All I need is one to get going, and then after that, I'm basically secured for the points I'm going to get.
0: I mean, you're talking a lot about quarterbacks here, but I'll go ahead and um, kind of talk about this a little bit, where if you are going up against an easy defense, Xavier, won't the gra- game script typically kind of take it out of the quarterback's hands, where if they're in the lead, they're more likely to run the ball so rather than pass to try to catch up? So would that wouldn't you... Sometimes because I learned this lesson hard a couple of years ago when I started uh, Trevor Lawrence against Wofford, I'm like, "Oh, Wolford. like they, it, he's gonna annihilate them." And all of a sudden, I was sitting there with Trevor Lawrence with 15 points at the end of the day, and I'm like, "What happened?" Well, first of all, they took him out at halftime, but also, second of all, like they just ran the ball yeah. over and
1: over again. So, like, yeah, I think that that definitely does take into account to where you'll have. That's that's really hard to judge because you'll have times to where sometimes you'll have a, like, you'll be pass happy and you want to get your wide receivers involved, but then you'll have, I'll take the uh, Georgia versus Kentucky, where if they can't stop, you know, the run game at all, then there's no need for the quarterback. And it's hard, it's hard to say, well, mm. you could, you could do, you could look at their, uh, their rush defense to see if it's somewhat formidable or if they have sure. somebody on that defensive line or defensive end, that's kind of putting pressure and having the quarterback to do different things. Or you could look at their past defense and be like, maybe there's a couple upper echelon players in that secondary. Maybe I can't really test out my receivers. Or if you're going to have, like, you know, a pretty balanced game to where uh, if you have Trevor Lawrence – I mean, we saw uh, Clemson – oh, man, I'm I'm blanking here. But I believe that was the – no, because DJ played uh, Boston College. Am I correct? Uh, Yes. Okay, so – it was, it was still a formidable game, but it's not like you know Boston College was just completely the greatest defense in the world. But at the same time, Clemson, DJ, was still able to put up a significant amount of points considering it's just the competition of things going back and forth.
0: Well, they were yeah. playing. Again, it kind of goes back to my point about game script and everything. Clemson was playing catch-up that game, if you remember. Yeah. Like, Boston College is winning that game for the majority of the game. So, therefore, DJ had to sling it all over the yard in order to get them caught back up. Meanwhile, Boston College was running around with David Bailey trying to get, or trying to get um, to run some clock out and everything.
1: Yeah, I think you just have to look at the personnel on your team. Um, It's starting to get a lot trickier because now teams are becoming more balanced. You have a great running back and a great quarterback and a great. I would agree with you there. So it's going to be trickier to gauge. But if you're, uh, I feel like, well, with the Pac-12. You're you know you're gonna get yards regardless. I, I'll just single them out because they're they're throwing majority of the time. Major, most of those teams are.
0: They are as John Laub the Green Iron Scholar would say, defensively challenged.
1: Yes. Oh my goodness. But then in and the years past where you had the Big Twelve as well, where they were defensively challenged, they're on the cover now. I. Oh yeah, they're doing well. Jared Jared definitely definitely enlightened me on this where I was like, you know what? I I'll, I'll give them credit. I I can't completely make front of, i can't make as many big 12 defensive jokes as i can as i used to hmm. but yeah it's it's definitely difficult uh i feel like i'm talking more, majority about quarterbacks because i feel like that's quarterback affects everything but with running backs it's a little bit easier because then i'm just looking at all right are you going against a great steel iron curtain of a defensive line and you're not going to be able to do anything or Is your offense just – if your offense is majority predicated on you to where, like, I'll say Kevin Harris last year. Mm -hmm. I I can't name their quarterback uh, for South Carolina. I don't know. Uh, Luke Doty. Luke Doty. Did not care because I knew Kevin Harris was getting the ball 20 to 30 times that game. Did not care. I I was like, he may get two yards on a run. He may get 40 yards on a run. I know Kevin Harris is going to get yards regardless. I don't care if he's going to get a great defense, a bad defense he will run the – that's all they're doing is running the ball and maybe occasionally throw the tight end, which is pretty good Nick Muse, too. But regardless of that, it's just, yeah, knowing what your team's strengths are, what their weaknesses, where, uh, what the usual game plan is. like. Because at the beginning of the game, obviously you game plan for opponents, but there's not much that you're really like changing on your offensive scheme in terms of like, all right, if the team has a uh, – you're kind of testing it to feel it out in that first few minutes of the period. So like, all right, can we get away – throwing a deep ball, you know, maybe testing their DBs or is their secondary as good as they say they are? And maybe we have to go with our game plan for the day. So definitely a challenge. I'd say just take the gamble of what you feel. I always say take the safe bet. If they're going against a bad team, just put your best player against that bad team. Mm -hmm. Going against a better team, maybe not. It's fine if that player goes off
0: but zafir what if my gut really really tells me that like i should play them that day
1: oh man then the car then the football gods will will not look favorably upon you <laughs> and we'll let your uh bench quarterback have 50 points and you're just like well i look like a dunce. That that's not nice that's not nice what you just did there that's that was cruel that was cruel
0: but also i could throw that right back at you with derek <laughs> yeah. king last year
1: we had the king and I had the king. Jared had Sam Howell. We did not start them the week that they went off. We had other quarterbacks that were we thought were gonna have better. I think weeks. that was
0: the same week that Mac Jones went up against Arkansas and threw for like maybe a hundred yards because they just kept throwing they get defensive touchdowns, they got they were running the ball over the place. Yep. Oh my god, dude. That was that was a rough week. Yep. So any other any other thoughts you want to put on this question before uh we kind of wrap up here?
1: Uh yeah. I will say uh starting a de- uh, I know there's the dilemma of st- uh, starting and benching a defense to where you have two okay. uh if if you draft well and have two a great defense and a good defense and you're like all right just
0: yeah. For the audio listeners, I was just pointing at myself enthusiastically because last year I had Georgia and Notre Dame as my two defenses.
1: It just didn't matter because <laughs> those were some of the best defenses in the nation. As for me, where I thought lSU was gonna you know maybe not be great offensively, I was like their defense is still good, absolutely not so i i, I took a burn on that one, but Alabama was yeah, it wasn't the greatest Alabama defense in the world, but it 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 held its own to help me win the league. I do want to
0: point out that even though I had both Notre Dame and Georgia, the I had one week where I had Notre Dame playing Clemson or Georgia playing Florida. Yeah. What the hell was I supposed to do with that? Yeah. I didn't want to drop either of them, so I think I, I think I took the L with Notre Dame, which honestly still ended up being better, I guess.
1: Oh so. man, yeah, I guess so. Actually,
0: no, Georgia. I think had a better week because uh, we got defensive touchdown.
1: Yeah, we did that week. So yeah, we did
0: um sorry you you had you had another thought before
1: i was gonna say with defenses you know defenses are a little bit easier because obviously defense it's just solely one side of the ball it's matchup yeah it's just matchup like basically if you're georgia for example going against vanderbilt start your defense please start your defense for the love of god you're gonna get sex you're gonna get interceptions there's gonna be fumbles happening something will happen they will not like be able to cross a hundred yards of offense and don't start any defense facing Alabama. Please do not, never do that. Those are like basic rules. No matter what year and what people say that this is the year that Saban's going to finally fall off. Do not fall for the trap. Nope. So, yeah, that's that's just my little two cents about defense.
0: Yeah, and I think again, not often you get a, def- a DST talk on fantasy podcast because uh, again, NFL defense is dsc just straight up doesn't matter and it's a crap shoot every yeah. single week but college you can actually uh you can actually play with defenses a little bit and you, you can learn how to play around with them yeah so if you don't have anything else to add there if you want to cut me off nope you're shaking your head all right Good. well i'm gonna stick this back on you yeah and uh i'll go ahead and wrap up here and so just a reminder to everybody uh, catch Xavier and I next week on the Campus to Canton podcast. We'll be joining Austin and Colin there, two great guys. We're going to be discussing some spring camp news, spring games galore these past two weeks. So I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about there. We will be discussing, um, we'll be discussing our top quarterbacks, our top running backs, our top wide receivers. They'll be asking us, like, who, who should my like, campus camp players be watching out for they may not know about. Uh, So, yeah, it's going to be a great time next week. I'm very excited about that. Uh, Make sure you follow Xavier and I. It's kind of covered up right now. But, like, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. We're both great follows. Um, I'm at CFF underscore Jared. He's at CFF underscore Xavier. We do mock drafts. We just tweet out our football thoughts on anything we hear about throughout the day. Um, Trying to think of anything else. Uh, We're hoping to at least record another podcast sometime this week uh, solely reacting to the spring games of this last week. Xavier, I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a second here. Um, And so, yeah, Xavier, do you have any more thoughts that you want to just put out there before we wrap it up
1: here? Uh, No. Uh, Thanks for coming in. listening to us talk for an hour and a half, I believe. Uh, Uh, Hour
0: and 20 minutes we're at, so we made made good
1: time. We've done good on time, but I'm glad that y'all stopped by and listened to us just rant and talk. No. Maybe not the the best thing in the world because you know we can stray off topic, but it's it's what we do. It's all college football anyway. Hmm. You can't always you know talk X's and O's. That like gets boring sometimes. So we really, we really appreciate it. We always uh, love your comments and reactions. And yeah,
0: yeah. We'll see you guys next time. And all go right. chase that natty.
1: Go chase the natty.